S. Levine acknowledges the traditional owners of the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation on which this podcast was recorded. We pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. The aim of this podcast series from S Living is to engage the listener in a genuine dialogue with design professionals, with Australian architects and interior designers who are prepared to be honest and revealing about what it is that makes a new build or a renovation have the character and atmosphere to take it beyond a showroom. In this podcast, we have two key themes. The primary one is This Much I Know, as we speak to people at the peak of their careers who have gleaned an enormous amount of knowledge, which they have then applied to imbue spaces with feeling, that elusive notion of atmosphere, and the ability to evoke memory. Hence the subtext of Feels Like Home. This subject has fascinated me since writing my last book, An Alchemy of Things, Interior Shaped by Curious Minds, because it included artists and designers, collectors and curators. No one followed the design rule book, but were completely confident in following their own distinctive path. I realise we can't all be that confident, but it did give me a taste for interior designers who were able to meld old and new, work decisively with colour and texture, and bring a place alive with objects and art. Each podcast will delve deep into this territory, anchored in a project as a prompt to process solutions and ideas, but also as a way to draw out related stories. We hope to peel back the layers and understand what makes these places not only award-winning, but good to be in from the moments of everyday pleasure. Today we're in the Queen's Park House by Juliet Arendt and Sarah Jane Pike of Studio Arendt and Pike. The client said, we wanted Arendt and Pike to work their magic, which they did. It feels young and playful, perfect for a family home with two young boys, a dog, two cats, a cockatoo and a lizard. We haven't seen the lizard yet. We absolutely adore the house and will be happy here for many years to come. But before we get to the house, I wanted to give you a little background on Juliet and Sarah Jane. With so many awards and accolades under their belt, I felt it would cut to the chase if they gave us a personal and a professional highlight. So Juliet, over to you. Hi Karen, thanks for having us. So for me, my professional highlight would be Definitely the first two weeks of having the business with Sarah Jane, sitting at a desk with an empty diary and an empty sketchbook, knowing that anything was possible. And a personal highlight, I love travelling and and definitely travelling uh, for the first time in my early 20s and realising that history didn't just reside in textbooks, that it was, um, it was real. That's been a really memorable moment for me. And I guess also... We are so in and out of people's lives. And so for me, a a really big impact has been being exposed to the simplicity and the beauty of Italian culture through my husband's family. That's wonderful. And SJ? For me, I'll bookend the professional highlights with the book that we published last year and to see that just as the culmination of 15 years as one of those very early dreams, you know, with that empty sketchbook that was we couldn't even imagine that one day that would be possible. So it's been an incredible highlight and a huge thrill for us to be able to bring that together. 
And personally, I would say over the years, I've really come to learn a lot from our clients. And one of the things that's really crystallized for me is having a true understanding of my own relationship with nature and how the natural world is so intrinsically important to us and how we can make that a part of our homes and our lives. And Juliet, when you looked back at that summary of work, did you see strong threads passing through the years? Well, yeah, I think actually it's always the way that we relate to clients. I would say that we've been on a journey with each other in business, but also with all of the clients and the projects and how that has formed what we are today. And so that was the greatest joy. We were trying to isolate the things that really drove our business and the ones we came up with were joy, colour, character, alchemy and spirit. But yeah, it's definitely the relationships that you make with the people along the way that are the most lasting. And it's interesting that list of, list of words you've just articulated because that's what you feel in this house because we're sitting in the Queen's Park house at the beautiful dining table surrounded by your work. Does it feel good to come back and revisit it? It's so lovely being back here and we've been lucky to work with this client over a number of years and we're back doing another part of the project now. So it does feel like a very familiar space and one that we do get to spend a bit of time in and return to. And I always love coming back here. Our client is a passionate art collector and a passionate gardener. So things are always changing and that's such a joy to be around. Do you find yourself coming in and moving things and correcting things and shifting things <laughs> a little bit? I, I don't think so. I think she does a really good job. You know, and she's she's been in our life for probably over 12 years um, because we worked on her house that's only a few doors up from here and she was referred to us by a really dear collaborator of ours, um, Morgan, from Simple Studios. So I think that there's a there's a very strong personal connection. Yes, that's interesting. So it's not a kind of set and forget that it's got to stay like this. It is a kind of evolving personal space. Absolutely. And we're really encouraging people to have ownership over the space. And some people just have that in them more naturally and and others find it enlightening. I know a dear friend of mine gave me this wonderful quote, Jeffrey Hattie, that you take clients on a journey of their own taste. With a good client relationship, there's that ability to to draw out their stories, what matters to them, and then show them options and show them how things might might be. That was the thing that was quite key to to Sarah Jane and I also looking at the projects over the 15 years. The common thread is actually those concepts of say joy or spirit. It's not that there's an aesthetic that we are repeating and that's because it's different people that we're working with um, and there lies in the joy. Exactly. So the expression of 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 what is different each time. So the pieces are are different, and the kind of combination and how they live is different, and that's reflected in each individual space. But I think that's what people look to good interior designers to do. You know, they don't want a cookie cutter showroom effect that's um, kind of a singular note. And what's so lovely about this place is the the art, the scale, the light. And she had a tiny artwork on a small wall, a bolt of colour. You know, there's so much to kind of find surprise and joy in, even in the tour that Juliet gave me this morning. This idea of returning clients, that must be one hand very gratifying. It's incredibly gratifying. And I mean, it is a long friendship that you're building. So the more trust and the more kind of love you give it, the more it gives back to you. So working with a client 
repeatedly means that you've got all this lovely history, you've got all of the beautiful objects and pieces and artworks that you already know and love that are part of the home. Um, the project we're doing here now is part of the build that we didn't do at the time that we did this large renovation. So there was always going to be a studio out the back and at the time the client said, let's just finish the house and we'll return to it. Returning to it two years later, it's actually evolved even further. And the fun of that was that, you know, the client came to us and said, I know what we were going to do, but I'd love to see what you'd do today. And so we were able to just take it that next step along and and evolve it even further and have even more fun with it. So there's something really beautiful about that freedom that you get when you've got that trust. Absolutely. And also that they recognise, you know, that that you are professionals and your skill and knowledge will take it to another level rather than just the level that they can anticipate. Because your client here has clearly got an eye for art and um, is, is sophisticated in those judgment calls, but that they appreciate that you're able to step it up again. And the best relationships are actually co-creation. So there is a part of that that we've been able to build together over the years. And so knowing what we're going to bring to it and us knowing what they're going to bring to it is actually part of the whole process. Do you ever not align with clients? Absolutely. You know, it's one of the things that you don't like talking about all the time, but I think over the years we've become more discerning both with our work and our processes, but also making sure that there is an alignment with the people that we're working with because that gets the best result. And I would say that clients also sometimes will distinguish that, you know, and they'll they'll see that that's not quite there. But we have a wonderful team and I think there's a real process to start working with an interior designer and you're really taking someone on a journey from the very first conversation. And it is many conversations before you even get to the, the time that you're, you know, tearing a house apart, ready to do a renovation or build a house. So, um, yes, that is the time that that's worked out, I would say. There's a lot of stress points around actually arriving at a conclusion. Do you ever find your marriage guidance counsellors? I think it should have been a double degree, frankly. <laughs> but I think it's part of the satisfaction of it. We've chosen residential design because we love working closely with people. And I think one of our biggest roles in the design process or in the renovation or build process is actually to be that guide on decision making. We always like to say we want clients to feel like they've made the decisions, but we're the ones giving them all the right information to make that easy. Because I think it's incredibly difficult time and there's so many decisions to make and so many options. I think the amount of information has just increased year on year um, that's out there for people to discern from. And it's very hard to know how to make those choices. Oh, utterly overwhelming. You know, you go into a beautiful rug shop and you're kind of all what is right. And also I think there's that difficulty in um, just judgment calls. You know, everything in a place can't be the shiny hero. You need to have high, low, you need the quiet thing with the loud thing. Do you find when you're having those conversations with your clients, they get it? When I really think about it, because we do joke often about being marriage counsellors, but what we're doing from the very beginning is really listening and really picking up on signals that are nonverbal also. And so we're intuitively responding to both people and merging those ideas together. So it's not even really that you're like a counsellor would be in a verbal state that you would be, but you're making sure that you're bringing something together that's cohesive and responds to both people and all the family and that they feel like they have an emotional connection to it. 
And that's when there's calm. That's when there's, dare I say, success in the design because you are really responding to all of the factors that are there. And putting it through your filter because you know that um, what a a camel is a horse designed by committee, you know, you don't want to end up being so responsive to what they want that it kind of at the end of it, they go, oh, well, I got my chair and she got the color and da da, da, but it actually doesn't work. So there's a, there's a great kind of weight of responsibility to draw it all into a successful scheme. Oh yes, but it's still taking the information and then using your intuition and your talent as a designer and making sure that what is delivered is is something that far exceeds something that they've described to us. I think that's that's the key, isn't it? Which is why we use that word alchemy because it isn't the sum of the parts. There is something that has to come together and finally kind of tune and balance and become greater than all of the individual decisions. It's how they work together. And given that you're casting your magic over these places, do you think the role of an interior designer is still sort of misunderstood? I think it's come a long way, but I think there are so many roles that we play throughout the industry. And then there are so many different players. And I do think that a lot of the time it's hard for everyone to understand where one thing starts and another thing stops. And just like with clients, the best work I I believe is in that co-creation and collaboration. So we'll often be working with an architect. We'll be working on the interior architecture, the interior design, the interior decoration, the furnishing. Um, But you could be working on any one of those elements as well. Yes, it's quite a segmented process, each one relying on the success of the other. So say in the space we're sitting in in Queen's Park House, you worked on the interior architecture. Can you describe to me what that means in real terms? We came to the house as soon as the clients had purchased it. At that very first meeting, there was myself and Ben Vitale, who went on to do the architecture for this renovation. And then as Ben's team was developing the architecture, we were working through what was going to happen inside. So if we talk to the interior architecture in this space, um, I think this house is well known for the kind of beautiful squashed arch doorways. And that was something that very much came from our team and our input. We had a number of different shapes we were working with and we felt that was the one that was going to relate best to the front of the house and to the heritage of the house and the street. It's pretty incredible because I think people wouldn't, they would have think automatically that that would be the domain of an architect. So it's really interesting that you also need that close collaborative relationship with the architect for it to work Mm. as well. Yeah. And that's the willingness of that personality type as to what they are happy to share or not, Mm. you know. Yes, because they are all the things that end up being the flavour of the house that you can't really put your finger on. And because we have worked on many houses in Sydney and beyond Sydney that are, you know, heritage homes or they're an older style home, much of our work has been that fusing together of of old and new and how you do that in a way that makes sense visually and functionally, you know. So um, for us, we've never loved that idea that, that that a box is just stuck onto an old, old property. Utterly, because if this was a very squared off box, it would feel completely different. And I think it's also those subliminal things that when you come in, you read the soft arches, you you read the, the height of the ceilings, but you don't necessarily think, oh, I'm in a contemporary space that is different to the front of the house. And so I think it's that blurring of lines um, without compromise that is the most successful thing about this space. 
And it's obviously very much um, about family life with the way the kitchen relates to the dining, relates to family living. Flow of spaces, is that very important in your work? Very important. And I think you've summarised it by saying you can see the way the family live in this space. And so it is about understanding that for each different client. But the flow really changes and affects your everyday experience of living in the home. So the way that things relate, the ease that you feel because things are as they should be, I think is very important to us. Ease is a great word, isn't it? Because it's that sort of seamlessness of living that's assumed and it's kind of this place has that feeling. You you come in and you feel relaxed and a little bit excited. You want to look at the artwork. You're taken by the colours and the textures. So it really achieves what your practice, the way you talk about your practice, mm. this physical space achieves it. Mm. Obviously, kitchens are a big part of what your clients are looking for to get from you. You must be quite expert in kitchens by now. Um, This one is a particularly beautiful one because it kind of has a bit of a freestanding feel to the um, central unit. Do you want to talk a bit about how you conceive the kitchen? The clients here are fantastic cooks, love cooking, cook a lot and love to cook for friends and love to entertain. So you're right in saying this table next to the kitchen was really critical that there was a big interaction. Um, So the idea that the island would perform both a big servery and a big preparation space but also a dining space was really key to this kitchen. And then we loved that we softened the material palette so that the background actually had more of a grounding element in this space. It draws you back with its deeper colour, but that the island performs like this large piece of furniture. Yes, it's got quite a sense of theatre, doesn't it? If you were cooking there and people had a drink at the table and were talking and it's very social. And looking more closely at the decorative elements, I was wondering, Juliet, in this, this room, what would be the three things that you think absolutely make the, the, the sitting room? We've been talking about colour mm. and shape. Yeah, so the sitting room is adjacent to both the kitchen and the dining. So the spaces all work beautifully together. And I would say, you know, that for most of our clients, we're always talking about the livability of spaces. So, you know, comfort is key. The rug is always a, always a good place to start and the rug is a a beautiful Halcyon Lake rug in gold and terracotta and chocolate tones. So that really grounds the space. But then I love the idea that we can have these threads of colour that can continue through a house and green is a key colour in this project. So a really beautiful Minotti little love seat there. And then the fireplace, obviously, the fireplace is part of more part of the interior architecture, but it also echoes the arched doorways. Yeah, it's a beautiful, subtle, as you say, echo one of the other. Again, it's those things that the eye kind of travels over and nothing jars. The other thing that I think people often underestimate is scale. You know, the the scale in that room of each piece is perfect. Have you ever had scale failures? Oh, that's a good question, Karen. (laughs) Yes, that that is honestly, yes, absolutely. So yeah, I'd say, you know, that's always where we start. We start with planning and planning is the most important part after kitchens. Kitchens are always, you know, top of the list. But yes, if you'd put a really large sofa in this space, it wouldn't have been perfect. But, you know, everything had to be slightly smaller scale, a number of items, so you could kind of navigate the space quite easily. Oh, yes, I think we've had some fails. 
Go on, it, wasn't, sorry, it wasn't quite a fail, but we did actually, once we got in this space and installed all the furniture, swap the coffee tables. So the table that's here, which is a lovely kind of slim bench, was always going to be in the front more formal room and the large um, sort of burl coffee table, which we sourced at the flea markets in Paris, was going to be in this space. And the day it arrived, I went, oh, no, they've got to swap. <laughs> they've got to swap. The shape of the space just didn't quite work. So even though they looked good on plan and we'd always conceived it that way, it was immediately evident to me that it wasn't quite right. But I think I'm that's so them. important, the confidence in what you do to kind of just call it and mm. say this this isn't working and um, and that in real life experience as opposed to plan and all your experience and knowing about flow and, and how you move through a space actually having that flexibility to go no these are the wrong way around and that's kind of what people are paying for as well isn't it that expertise and that's why I'd say the site process is so important because when you're on site with the builder it, it's it doesn't matter how many drawings you've done or how many details you've done there's always tweaking and changing and adapting you know to, especially to an existing build you know there's always things that crop up um, but yes, it is that confidence to know when to when to call it. Yeah. And when you do an install, is your heart in your mouth a little bit until it all is all in place? I would say it's exciting. It's more butterflies of excitement. I mean, it's one of those things that you you feel like this is it. It's the day where you feel like everything comes together and hopefully the build is actually finished and you're not working around half-finished things. And, you know, things are not always picture perfect on that day, but it's such a gratifying moment. I think it's one of the moments for the clients when they first start to say, oh, I've got it all here now. I've, I know what I'm getting. And they understand at that point what it is you do, you know, what you deliver in space. I, I think it's when the joinery goes in. I think that's when clients really, really know what's going on, you know, because, not a lot happens, you know, for them. It's only when that we always talk about joinery. So I'm talking about kitchens and bathrooms and robes and any kind of storage elements, which honestly comprise of such a large part of a project. Um, but when that all goes in, that's when I breathe again because, you know, the joinery is a really important aspect of, of a home and how it feels. And you can see that it all works. We were looking earlier at the front room, which is in the old part of the house, which has got beautiful proportions and so forth. And um, I wanted to ask you about that colour, which I said is sort of fugly. It's sort of, <laughs> it's sort of beautiful, but I'm not sure why. And I just wondered when you put it up, was there a moment of, is this the right way to go? You've nailed it with that, actually, Karen, because what happened was, We'd picked a really pretty soft green. And I remember I called Juliet and said, come to the house with me. I just feel like this colour needs to do more. I just, it could be pretty, but it could be more. This is such a beautiful room. And we chose that colour together and the client okayed it. And as the builder put it up, he called to say, what are you doing? And when the husband came home, he called and said, what is this? And everybody was like, what? This is the colour? Don't, aren't these meant to be the ones that know about colour? And, you know, I think what we could see was the final picture with the curtain and the bookshelf and all the furnishing pieces and how gorgeous it was going to be. We always knew that artwork was going to go there. So I could already see all of that come together, but just the paint on the walls, there were quite a few raised eyebrows, but there was a lot of faith in us and they went ahead. 
But that's the trust that you referred to earlier, that people will hold tight until they've seen the, seen the whole thing. But it's sort of what makes the room so beautiful. Um, and the light, uh, we were talking about it being southern facing. And so you get this very soft light and uh, it feels like it would be, it's an interesting room, but a calm space at the same time. And it's a beautiful evening room, which was also one of the main kind of purposes of that space was that our client said, I want somewhere I want to go in the evening where it's calm and it's gorgeous. And I actually do remember being here towards the end of the build. It was a winter build, so it was late and it was dark and the lights went on and it was just heaven. And in that room, you've got two chairs that you recovered that the client brought from their previous house. Is that something you have to deal with a lot? And does it always work? Yes, yes and no. I think the client loved those chairs, a pair of Utrecht chairs, and they were previously in a shocking violet tone and we've um, scaled them back to go with the, <laughs> the lovely olive ochre walls. They're in a cream fabric now. I just, I still can't get over that you said the word fugly. <laughs> <laughs> Karen McCartney called a paint colour fugly. <laughs> oh, so good. Anyway, yes, but I think um, we, we talk about the thread of colour through a house and, and I was saying to you earlier that I feel like the thread of colour in this house is the cool, cooler greens and even, you know, perhaps people don't see green in, in this kitchen, but Sarah Jane and I always refer to this particular colour having an undertone of green to it. So it was just going back to that formal living room, it was really about bringing, I think Sarah Jane used the word butter, but, you know, I think about adding sunshine to green, um, that's when it starts becoming that lovely kind of olivey and yeah, ochre. It's, for me, it's a mix of olive and ochre together. But it's just nice that you have that moment in time where things change. And so there's a surprise. You know, it's not the same thing that continues all the way through a house. I think surprise is a great word, isn't it? And and also when it comes together and you hang the art and, and this house has a number of really beautiful ceramics and objects that are collected. And, and again, that adds to the feeling of personality. So do you ever surprise yourselves? Yes. That's the yes. honest truth, yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And I have to say that I really love the final kind of stage of a project where you can tweak and change. I don't think that you can have everything designed and scheduled and that that's the way it should be because that's not real life either. You do need kind of to tweak and change and, yes, because it's always that, that fine little bit that will bring something to life and make it sing. And architects talk a bit about that during process and building that, you know, sometimes something might happen that suddenly, oh, a view appears from a window that you didn't expect. Or, And I think sometimes clients think that everything is very regimented and obvious, but sometimes when things, walls go up and platforms go up, it's suddenly you've got to be able to adapt to give that extra level of surprise or joy or everyday pleasure or whatever it might be. It's not a failure. It's actually being fully aware of what the opportunities are. It's definitely about being dynamic in that moment. And you said earlier about having the confidence to, to call it. And it's something that Juliet and I have always talked about with each other and with our team, that if something doesn't feel right, even if it was your choice, even if it was your decision and you're standing there and you think, I don't know if this is right, you have to make that call and do that for the client and for the project and for the result, but really for the client to know that you could stand behind every decision that you've made even as it comes to life, I think is just really critical. You're never too proud to say, hang on, let me make this better. 
because it's always just about making it better. It's not about failures. Yes, it's not about something being being wrong because there are there are in a way no wrongs, but it's all how it can better deliver a better outcome. And I think people would respect that, wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah, I actually read this really interesting article a couple of days ago. It was about Mark Newson and the project he's been working on in Ithaca. I think it was finished a few years ago. But he said that he found working on homes terrifying because it was like each project was a prototype, you know, and coming from the world of object design and industrial design where you get to experiment and test things and and, um, get things wrong in a house, you don't really get to do that. It is a prototype and it's a new prototype every single time. So I think that is the genius of the job actually and it's what places great demands on you as a practice as well and you've got to enjoy that bit of it the the endless I mean obviously you you refine your knowledge and your choices and your awareness of what's in the market and what works better than others but I guess you don't want to be become so immensely professional that there's no challenge or pushing yourselves like the living room you know those things that really I guess they challenge and you had some pushback, but you stayed true, and it came good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you, good you always you always photograph your work, and and you know what you're telling everyone is that if the whole thing is all sewn up, it's all worked out. But actually, yes, it's the whole process is a ever moving, ever changing beast. Honestly. But that's what makes it human. Yeah. And that's what, in a way, clients, they're not engaging for perfection. They're engaging for this journey you've talked about. And I think that that's where the best outcomes. And that's, again, what stops it feeling like it's a showroom, you know, Mm. because there are things that are imperfect or off kilter or a a slightly quirky choice. Um, It's the idiosyncrasies that kind of give it that character. So with this particular job, I mean, the art is immensely impactful and beautiful. Was that the greatest joy in creating this space? I think it was always known to us that we were working with a beautiful collection, but even as I arrived today, I immediately spotted something that was new that I haven't seen before that's just arrived. And I know that for the new space we're designing, there are a couple of paintings that are waiting for their new home. So I love that that I know is always going to be an ever-moving feast in here. I love that we didn't have to choose particular moments or particular pieces or even we knew what was coming in and, of course, we were considering it, but the idea that art should always have its own feeling and its own moment and it's not about matching or or sticking to that. So that um, was very freeing, actually, knowing that there'd be so much beauty in the home that, but we, that we didn't have to tightly curate it or stitch it up in that way. It's also got a lovely relationship from inside to out in in this section. And you were mentioning earlier about the kind of role of nature in interiors. And, and, and really, the garden becomes part of what you experience in this room. Was that always important in the thinking? It was certainly part of this whole renovation. The previous garden had been terraced, quite formal, and was coming quite close to the house, but in a way that you couldn't enjoy it. So it was always part of this new extension that the garden was going to be an extension of that and that we were giving the house a little bit more space to breathe and to live right outside the house and then still to look onto all that green. And yes, the client is a great gardener. She loves it. So it definitely becomes a part of the whole interior. I love seeing a garden grow as well. 
you know, you know that's always such a joy and it's not it's not my area of expertise but I do adore it as well you know we've arrived here today and and on the archways there's this beautiful fine I don't even know what it is but it's so beautiful the way it's it's you know had its own way with the, with the doors and it feels so sort of generous doesn't mm. it and lush that's what I love about Will Danger's gardens they almost look as though he's just interfered a little bit with nature yeah. whereas actually it's all very planned but it has that kind of slight wildness yes. that kind of makes it a bit unpredictable yeah so that looks that looks really beautiful and I, and I love that I love that idea for homes too mm. you know that it doesn't look like it's overly designed that would be one thing that we would be most proud of projects that feel like they're natural and feel like they're an expression of the owner not just um, something that is tasteful or elegant I think that's a huge point, actually, that really your work does do. You feel like a clever homeowner could do it. There's all this skill and all this layering, all this thought that goes into making it seem effortless. Um, And it's that it's back to the ease and the effortless qualities that I think are so beautiful. And this is a great example of that. Um, do you have any insider tips as to how to achieve that elusive quality of effortless <laughs> and ease? Do you ever feel you've gone too far and, and step back? Or does it just hit a natural point where you go, this is kind of, this has gone as far as it needs to go? I think what you said earlier about gardens really does apply here. We're trying to create a structure where something can weave in and grow. And that something is the people that live here and all of their objects and their life. So there is definitely a step too far that you could go where there wasn't space for people to occupy the house in a way that felt natural and felt good. I don't know if we've stepped over that before. No, because I think we do often leave that that little bit at the end, which I don't think is something that you would think a designer would do because I, there's so much planning. There's so many schedules. You know, there are hundreds of pages of detailed drawings for, for a construction. Um, so you think everything's set. But, yes, I think that Sarah Jane and I have always known that that final 5%, 10%, that's where the magic lies. And I think also there's something about a feeling of wellness in a space because this to me feels good to be in, mm. quite simply. Mm. And I know that's something of particular interest to you, Juliet, of how do you make a place feel that it supports wellness? Yeah, so we, we've we always said that a joyful space would support your well-being and we do strongly believe that. But a few years ago I became really unwell and I have a, a condition called mast cell activation syndrome. And when I was diagnosed with that I always knew that our environment had an effect on our health, but I didn't know to what extent. I did a bit of a deep dive into exposure to mould, exposure to dust, things that we think are innocuous, but they actually have a huge impact on our health. And, you know, I guess sustainability has been such a big thing in our industry and across the board. But I think those two things tie in really well. And I would say that a lot of that has come back to some of the really central principles of good design that you know intuitively and then starting to understand that there's a real health issue at play as well. So we're talking about just great light, good ventilation, clean water, being comfortable, access to safety. You know, these are the things that are really um, create a good home and then understanding how they impact our health and taking it even further is, is really where we're at. And also the materials that are used, there's so much choice. I guess it's a kind of 
honesty of approach in all the things that you do and then layering in the beauty of the choices on top of that really strong foundation. Yeah, well, you know, everything has a life cycle and it's having an understanding that whatever you're selecting for a client, it's with them for a long period of time. We get to walk away Um, and that was the realisation that that the things that we surround ourselves with, and some people like myself are more sensitive than others, but it doesn't mean that it's not harmful. So if something's been sprayed with polyurethane, what's happening with that polyurethane? How, what, what is its life cycle? When does it start breaking down? And when do we have to be aware of it? And, you know, Sarah Jane mentioned a really good one, which is key for Sydney, particularly, and that is ventilation and how we ventilate our houses. And really, architects and interior designers could have a huge impact on that, and we can really change that. If we're building environments for people, then we need to be looking after the people that live in them. And at the beginning, Juliet, you said one of your career highlights was just starting the business, and then it's bookended with the release of your beautiful book. Within that 15-year period, what was the hardest lesson you you felt that you learnt not sure it's the hardest lessons, but, but it's the biggest lesson. The biggest lesson has been about working with a group of people and being, I guess, responsible for their growth and their understanding and the way they view design and its importance in our lives. I guess it's having a team, you know, it, when it's just was just the two of you, it was very controlled. But then as you've got to disseminate to a, a whole staff and they need to take forward your ethos and your attitudes, but also bring their own. So it is a dialogue. And so it's what do you learn from them as yes. much as they learn from you? Yes. And I think the other thing is, and SJ, maybe you've got more to add here. I think coming to a realisation that you can't satisfy everybody's desires and tastes that you know you you just have to be really true to who you are as a person and the more you bring that out and this is why I love having Sarah Jane as a business partner because there is always that push and pull of two people and and two people who have personal tastes and style and aesthetics and and needs and wants that growth is something that is challenging but it gets the best results also Mm. yeah And we've had that same experience with our team. You know, we've had some people with us for many years and others for short periods of time, but everybody brings their own experience and their own, you know, life views. And that has been really seminal to the work. It's been really important to the work that we've got so many different viewpoints that we can, again, just like with the clients, it's still distilling down. It's still gathering all of that and, you know, assembling it into the into the best result and, and bringing something forth that feels like it's Arrington Pike. But it's been a great process. And so, you know, really it is also testament to both of you that you have this great working relationship after 15 years. You know, it's, it's, it's quite incredible because you can see the dynamic between you is so lovely and each of different personalities, different strengths probably within the business, but it so works. And I think that something about the joy of creating from that space comes through in the work as well. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's lovely. No, but, you know, I think um, actually when we reflect back on those very, very early days, we didn't really know each other. So it has been a learning process and we've been growing together. You know, we always joke it's like our second marriage. And that is really lovely. It's really special to be able to share that with somebody, you know. What attracted you about Sarah Jane? 
Uh, she had really cute outfits. No. Um, <laughs> um, no, actually she did. Her best friend had a really great boutique at the time and she always had some cute outfit on. When I think about those early days, we both loved going and dancing and we both loved colour. We both, like it was quite simple. We had the same, we were so different, but we had a similar outlook on life and we didn't have anything really holding us back. You know, we didn't have kids and we didn't, weren't married yet. And, and so we had really, life was open to us. And so we got to experiment a lot. Mm. Mm. And, and I would say that that was the thing that first attracted me to Juliet was this vibrancy, you know, excitement for life. And we were at a really exciting stage of life and we could see, you know, we kind of egg each other on with these big ideas and, and big dreams. And it was really fun working together. And it was lovely to reminisce before we started this podcast that when I was editor of Inside Out in 2008, publishing your first apartment, I remember it very clearly and how excited I was to see that that work at the time. And it was lovely that it was your first printed project. So it's a lovely coming together of all those, those times. I know it's another 15-year reunion, really, isn't it? <laughs> because we were, we were chuffed. We were so chuffed. Yeah. Yeah. Karen McCartney had oh, noticed no. us. <laughs> <laughs> and that magazine and what it what it stood for in the industry um, now, but back then it was really a standout for us. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So and having the book under your belt, what what is your next big thing in the in the uh, future? I think as Juliet said, we're really we're really dedicated to this wellness space and to making sure we start understanding how to build healthy homes for people. And to being able to share that information as we learn it, we're certainly not the experts yet, but we're not shying away from trying to understand and bring all of that forward in our work and for the industry. Wonderful. Do you have anything to add, Juliet, before we sign off from this First S Living podcast? We're going to give away our trade secrets. (laughs) Yes. Oh, you know, SJ and I, we also share an entrepreneurial spirit. So we're always working on the next thing. And so we're working on the next thing at the moment. But yeah, I know the book was such a, we, we spoke about how incredible it would be to have a book 15 years ago. And just today I caught myself thinking about a client who had a book on her coffee table and it had one of our projects and how thrilled we were to have that one project published in the very early days. And, and now we have our own book. It's really, it's, it's thrilling. Well, I can't thank you both enough for being here today and bringing us and your client for allowing us to do this podcast from her beautiful home. Thank you. And we will speak soon. Thank you, Karen. Thank you.